Hey there, my name is Vosh. I live stream on YouTube and sometimes, accidentally, in spite of myself, something funny or interesting happens. This is Previously Live. Yo! Hey, how's it going? Doing wonderfully. <laughs> How about yourself? Good, good. Uh, just one second. Let me get things set up on my end. By the way, we are live right now. Uh, so uh, 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 be on your best behavior, or I guess I should be too. We'll both be on our best behavior. <laughs> I trust you. I'll do my best. One second. How's your uh, day going? Good. It's a sunny day here in Southern California. Oh, man. I used to live in Southern California. I kind of missed the Where sun. Where do you now? What'd you say? Where do you live now? I live up in uh, Seattle. Okay, so it must be raining today. Uh, I have no idea. I haven't gone outside. I'll probably go outside <laughs> sometime in the week, though, so I'll yeah. I'll learn then. I'll report back to you. All right. Uh, all right, we are live. Could you, uh, could you introduce yourself to the class? My name is Lloyd Allen Chapman. I'm president and founder of the American Small Business League. All right, and I... Um, I really appreciate you coming on. I know that it took a while. That's on me. Um, and um, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, I I cared from day one. Um, but so as I understand it, uh, you have um, essentially submitted a FOIA request to the Trump administration following what you allege to be or what you imagine to be a misappropriation of um, PPP funds uh, during the stimulus bill that was passed. Is that correct? Yes, that was my about my 110th uh, legal battle I filed against the government in the last 32 years. Jesus. What got you to making a habit of it? <laughs> my lawyers tell me that I've won more freedom of information legal battles against the federal government than anyone in history. Okay. I don't know if that's true, but I, I think it's it probably is. I've won 110. Uh, my win ratio over the last 32 years against the government is 98.5%. Uh yeah oh, okay wow we okay so we need we need to back up and give you the appropriate um we we need to roll out the uh, the red carpet okay so as you I, I don't know how much you know about me but I'm I'm a socialist and I'm a person who was deeply invested in removing Trump from um, the presidency because I think that's good for all of us and I think something that frustrates me is I find that very often people on the left are under invested in the ways by which they can use the legal processes that are endowed to us as a right, as American citizens, to fight back against injustice. You seem to be extremely good about doing that. Could you, how did you get into this, like from day one? What what got you into the, um, when did you put on the mask and become Batman? It was an accident. My father was a contracting officer for the um, United States Air Force in Sacramento, California. I went to work for a little small computer company with six employees and they were trying to sell computers to the government. So my father told me I should do a um, Freedom of Information Act uh, to the Pentagon uh, for the small business subcontracting plans for prime contractors to see who is looking for computer suppliers. And uh, the first one I did, uh, back in those days, the law said the uh, uh, Pentagon prime contractors had to give 20% of their contracts to small businesses. And the first one I did came back and the small business goal was 16 one hundredths of 1%. And I thought it was a typo. 
and I called the guy up and said, that's what it is. So I thought that was wrong. And so I, uh, at, back in those days, I was uh, pretty good friends with Barbara Boxer. And she put me in touch with Les Aspen, who was the um, chair of the House Armed Services Committee. And um, it wound up getting a congressional investigation into that contract. And they changed the small business dollars from 694,000 to 501 million. So it's a larger number. And, and it, it, was, it was fairly easy. It, it was really fairly easy. I think I made about four phone calls. And I thought, this is easy. And so I started doing it more. And the next one I did, uh, they were like, that happened again. And I wound up in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And I won a landmark legal victory uh, back in 91 in the Ninth Circuit that forced the Pentagon to release all this information. And, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I, need to, I need to wind down. I'm 71. I've been doing it since I was uh, in my Wait, mid wait, 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 wait. You're not 71. Yep. December 14th, 1949. Is, is that the secret to youth, suing the state? No, uh, plastic surgery. Ah, well, from the, <laughs> from the money you get from suing the... Yeah, it all comes around. Yeah, uh, clean living. Whatever works. Um, yeah. Wow, okay, I'm, try I'm trying to... Because I'm like a I'm a YouTube live streamer, so I'm trying to wrap my head around like the significance of this. Um, the it it speaks to me a little bit that there's so much being left on the table that can be exposed with these these FOIA lawsuits. You know that there's so much. Um, do, do do you think this speaks to like government corruption or incompetence or poor bookkeeping or what what keeps leading to this? What leads to your victories? You know, I was thinking about this. Uh about an hour ago, it, it's systemic. It's the way the government operates. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's systemic. So uh, going back to the Reagan administration, the first uh, incidents of fraud where they're cheating small businesses in the public that I've uncovered was back during the Reagan administration. And, um, but yeah, it's, it's systemic. It's gone on uh, it doesn't matter whether it's Bush or Obama or Biden or whoever it is, these, this fraud against the middle class has gone unabated. I think it, it was better during the Clinton administration. But um, yeah, it's just, it's systemic. And I'll tell you something interesting. Um, you can't talk about this on national television. You, you can't talk about it uh, in the last, I'll say six weeks, I've been contacted by the Associated Press, CNN, the LA Times, and um, a group in DC, I can't think of the name, but something like, uh, uh, something about um, ethics and honesty in government. I can't think of the name of it. And um, I, uh, I talked to them and I was willing to give them this information that I was gonna get when I won this big lawsuit. And um, CNN was very excited about, I told them when I, it looked like I was going to get the PPP data before anybody else in the country. My case was filed in San Francisco. Um, all the major media had filed theirs in D.C. And uh, mine came up uh, sooner. And I told CNN, I said, when I get this information, you can have it. You know, I just want to get it out there. You can have it. But none of them ever, ever talked to me ever again. And uh, they were all, um, they interviewed me for an hour and more. But none of them ever mentioned it. So... Uh, it may sound kind of surprising to most people, but you can't talk about small business contracting fraud 
um, on national television or you can't get it into a, a major newspaper. Um, the government has more control over the media than I think most people would believe. It's quite astounding to tell you the truth. But um, I think something I'd like, I'd like you and everyone uh, to know, uh, your listeners, that the largest economic stimulus program for the American people in history is the Small Business Act. And that law mandates that a minimum of 23% of all federal contracts go to small businesses. And uh, nothing come, can come close to that. And here's a statistic I also want everyone to know. Today in America, 89% of all the companies in the United States of America have less than 20 employees. And according to the US Census Bureau, they're responsible for over 97% of all net new jobs. So companies with 20 employees or less are responsible. Really? 97%? Yeah. That's an incredible 90, statistic. Over, over 97%. And uh, Fortune 500 firms haven't created one net new job since 1980. And that's all Census Bureau data. And so when you think about all these uh, people in Washington talking about stimulating the economy, if you want to create jobs, doesn't it make sense to, to try to help out the small businesses where most Americans work and over 97% of the jobs are created? That's very logical. A child can figure that. You talk to 10-year-old kid and say, gee, who should we give the money to? We're trying to create jobs. And we know that companies that 20 employees or less are responsible for 97%. You can we go give it to, to companies that 20 employees or less. But when you look at the PPP program, uh, those companies were, were got very, very little of the money. And I'm sure you saw in the national media that uh, with the Lakers and uh, you know the Eagles, and uh, Kanye West, right? Mm -hmm. Publicly traded companies on Wall Street, billionaires. The largest recipient of the PPP loans was a guy that owned a chain of hotels and he'd laid off 95% of his staff uh, and he got over 30 million in PPP loans. So uh, the, the level of, of uh, I'll call it corruption and fraud in government is, uh, I think most people wouldn't believe it. It's so massive, most people wouldn't believe it. So um, obviously, as the um, as the president and founder of the American Small Business League, you you have it um, you have a vested interest in defending the, the sort of the economic viability of small businesses. It feels like over the past seventy or so years, small business has been small business has a lot of definitions. I understand the traditional definition for a small business is a firm with less than five hundred employees. It can obviously mean a wide range of things. Some people always think it means like a mom and pop store, which is often not the case. But just to speak of small jobs or small businesses, my apologies, it's pretty obvious that the way our economy has been streamlining over the past century or so has been very explicitly to the benefit of like mega corporations. When you champion the interests of small businesses, do you do this because you have... Um, a principled opposition to the way these large businesses function? Do you just think that these small businesses aren't being given a fair shot? Or do you think that small businesses are like fundamentally more effective at doing what they can do for the economy than large businesses? Well, I, I like facts. And um, the fact is that um, uh, I think 98% of all American companies have less than 100 employees. And the average American company has 10 employees. And I also just want the federal government to do what the law says. So since 1953, federal law says that uh, small businesses 
shall get a minimum of 23% of all federal contracts. So, um, you know, I'm for what I call, you know, no new taxes, deficit neutral, um, uh, no additional spending. The, the, uh, the, uh, the best economic stimulus program uh, today would be to simply comply with the Small Business Act that was passed when Eisenhower was president. And, but that's not happening. And um, so, yeah, I'm just, I just think that, that the federal government should comply with the law. Gotcha. Well, we have a shared interest then in opposition to government corruption. How do you file one of these FOIA lawsuits? Like, what is the process for this? All right. The first thing you do, and by the way, I would encourage everyone listening to do this. It's it's fun. <laughs> um, you got a, go got a free Saturday. You know, you got a pen, a paper. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy. You, you email them. You just send them an email. So you say, under the provisions of the Freedom of Information Act, you know, please provide the following information. Now, uh, people need to understand only the federal government has to comply with the Freedom of Information Act, not government contractors. And um, you can only ask for, you know, information. You can ask for documents, right? So think of some document that you'd like to see, and um, you go online and, and, and get the, uh, the basic template, right? It's real easy. And send a, send a freedom of information request to a federal agency. Um, maybe they'll give it to you. Um, if you ask for information that exposes fraud and corruption, they won't give it to you. And then you file an appeal. They'll give you a form of rejection. Then you file an appeal. And when the, um, um, uh, if they deny your appeal, then you can sue them. How but, um, often has it gone that far with you? Oh, gosh. I probably had to actually file suit about um, probably 70% of the time. Jesus. But you, but you win so reliably, oh, which yeah. means that they, so they withhold these files. In, likely because they know that they're, them being revealed would be to their detriment. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, um, um, uh, I, I just got off of a big case a few months ago. I was in court for seven years on that one. And it, I spent over a million dollars. And during the course of that case, Judge William Alsop described me as being in a David and Goliath battle against big government and big business. And he accused the government of suppressing evidence and covering up evidence and submitting documents to the court that were false and misleading. So I was in court for seven years. I spent a million dollars and I won. And I'll show you what I got. You ready? <laughs> uh, at least you can guess the word count of the redacted yeah. information, right? You can yeah. get an average. Yeah, here, here's, this is, this is uh, the other page. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I asked the Pentagon. So, so every year the Small Business Administration comes out and says that small businesses got, um, you know, like a hundred billion in government contracts. And I go, that's great. Can you uh, let me see who got the contracts? They go, sure. If you've got seven years and a million dollars, right? But when you want to see who the United States government gives small business contracts to. This is what they give you after seven years and a million dollars in court. Uh, did, you, I, did you deck the person who uh, handed that to you and then had to fight that lawsuit too? 
No, no. I think my lawyer emailed it to me. But um, I'll tell you something. Um, uh, this document is actually pretty heavy document. Let me tell you what this is. Remember I told you the one that case in 1981 where the Pentagon had to release the reports that showed they were cheating small businesses out of, you know, billions? Yes. Well, while that case was ongoing, the Pentagon got a program passed called the Comprehensive Subcontracting Plan Test Program. And it, you, can, you can Google it right now. You can Google it and see it. And it says the purpose of the program is to um, see if um, company-wide small business subcontracting plans will increase opportunities for small businesses while saving money for the prime contractors. That's when it was first passed in 89. They flipped it now where it says uh, to see if the program will save contractors money while increasing opportunities for small businesses. Well, the program had two elements. I'll let you decide if you think this is going to help small businesses. Ready? All right. I'll, t I'll take my best one. shot. Number one, the elimination of any penalties that had previously existed for prime contractors for failure to comply with their small business subcontracting goal. No more penalties. And the second element is the elimination of all transparency. So you can't see anything anymore and they've eliminated any penalties and they're gonna test that to see if that's gonna help small businesses. Now, how long would you reasonably test that to see if that's going to help small business you tell me what how long you would test it uh i feel like i'd it's about as long as it would take for me to read the brief and that would i'd be able to figure it out by the end that it probably wouldn't help yeah. all right i'm going to tell you how corrupt the government is for 30 years about who's president they've been testing that for 30 years 30 years i've been testing that D you know just uh just dipping their toe in the water is seeing if it's uh, uh, if it's working out. How, how do you think it's working out? Well, about five years ago, the Pentagon wanted Congress to kill the program. And a friend of mine uh, uh, in D.C. Uh, uh, was asked by the Pentagon to work on that. And they, they put together a white paper they submitted to Congress that said the Comprehensive Subcontracted Plan Test Program had cut contracts to small businesses by over 50%. And it had uh, significantly reduced their small business uh, uh, supplier base. That was, that was probably like five, six, seven years ago. And Congress has renewed it uh, every year since then. So a program that the Pentagon says, this is cut contracts to small business by 50%. It's not working. We want it killed. Professor Charles Tiefer, who is one of the nation's, probably the leading expert in America on federal contracting law, wrote a legal opinion on that. He called it a sham and a fraud that was cheating small businesses. And yet the United States Congress has renewed that thing uh, every year for, for over, over 30 years, about 30, 32 years now. And it's a blatant, uh, I would call it anti-small business, anti-middle class uh, program. And uh, every president for 32 years has continued to approve it. I'll tell you something, I bet that when Biden leaves office, the program is still in place. Oh, I yeah, I I I don't doubt it at all. Um, no. The if there's anything that the Republican and Democratic Party can agree on, it's maintaining the same basic economic relationship the average person has with um with their with their betters. Um, so that would make sense to me. I I have to ask, by the way, because this is 
weirdly apropos with another person who I follow. There's a, a YouTuber who goes by the name Legal Eagle. He's a lawyer. And he is um, also suing the Trump administration to determine the legitimacy of the redacted uh, nature of John Bolton's uh, uh, autobiography after mm -hmm. he left the Trump administration. And I was wondering if, so it seems like this is something that happens at every level. Uh, these these um, redactions, this tight-fistedness with important information. In your experience, has there been a particular industry or a particular, um, any bias whatsoever in who benefits from this government corruption? Like military contractors or, or like, is there any specific avenue, anything to watch out for? The defense and aerospace industry. Okay, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, the defense and aerospace industry. Um, absolutely. Yeah. My, uh, my opinion is that the defense and aerospace industry has more clout than the American people. Mm -hmm. So the defense industry wants a piece of legislation passed uh, that the American people overwhelmingly uh, against. It'll get passed. Um, that's, that's what I've witnessed for over 30 years. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that makes sense to me. I, what, what, what role would small businesses even have in defense contracting? I'm actually, cause when I think, when we think of like defense contracting, like, you know, of course you think of like, um, Raytheon or Boeing, you know, or Lockheed Martin or any of these, these like obvious megacorps. Um, I just, I'm interested. I wonder why they're doing that. The military industrial complex, I guess it's just that deeply entrenched or, if there's some economic reason for it, like some underlying no. necessity that a small business can fulfill. My father was a contracting officer and uh, he talked to me about it, you know, for, for years. Um, and um, it's kind of quite frankly, reminds me of racism. It's just sort of, it, it's systemic. And they actually, you know, they actually sort of like, um, if you're, if you're a, a purchasing, uh, uh, agent for the federal government or, or prime contractors, they try to justify their anti-small business, you know, stance um, by saying that, you know, they're trying to get the best value for the taxpayer, which is, you know, absurd. You've probably right. seen the stories about their, you know, their $500 hammers and stuff like that. But um, uh, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's just, it's just uh, systemic. And I, I think the people, um, if, if someone gets a job today as a buyer for a government contract or federal agency, you're sort of taught this. In fact, sort of um, fabricating compliance with the small business goal is something they, they'll teach you if you don't already know how to do it. But um, I, um, I'd like to talk to the presidents of the top 10 government contractors and make them realize that um, Small business is responsible for half the gross domestic product and half the private sector workforce in America. And cheating small businesses is not patriotic. And it's, it's um, my opinion is that the uh, people that work in the government that have cheated small businesses have done more harm to our country's economy than, than a lot of terrorist groups, you know, uh, particularly now. Let's just say right now, if you and I had to say, if President Biden said, okay, want you two guys to come up with an economic stimulus plan to save the middle-class economy. I would say, well, gosh, why don't you try not cheating small businesses and comply with the Small Business Act? It's been in place for, you know, 
This is the thing that really frustrates me, too, because I'm interested in policy. Obviously, economic policy gets incredibly complicated, certainly out of my pay grade, but there are higher level things that I think most reasonable people can understand. But the frustration is that even if these policies get implemented, there are a million ways they can be undercut in between them, you know, being signed into law by the president and them sort of affecting the economy that neuters their ability to make any positive change. And this would be an example of that, you know? I imagine there are probably people who initially came up with that. You said 22% of government? That's right. Yeah. Um, that initially, you know, a fantastic idea, I'm sure. And they were very happy when that got signed into law. And now today we see very little impact from that in large part because of corruption or misappropriation of funds. And it makes it impossible to know how many other economic policies have we passed? How many other decisions have we made that could have been effective were it not for invisible problems between here and then? What can we do about that? Well, I think first of all, I'd like for people to know and understand the United States of America's economy is based upon small businesses. You know, when you watch national te television, they talk about the New York Stock Exchange and all that's a lot. But the truth is, most of the people uh, in this country work for small businesses, most of them. And uh, small business is responsible for over 90% of all U.S. exports. So this country, our economy is based upon small businesses. And uh, again, that statistic that 89% of all U.S. firms have less than 20 employees and are responsible for over 97% of the net new jobs. Mm -hmm. And um, people should, you know, talk to, talk to your, you know, congressman, your senator, you know, anybody you can. People need to discuss this and realize that, you know, the average American company has 10 employees. That's the average, not the, not, not the average small business, the average company in this country has, has less than 10 employees. And yet when you watch national television, you'll never see that mentioned. You'll never ever see that mentioned, not once ever. And um, there's only one agency in our government to help those small businesses. And that's the Small Business Administration. When Ronald Reagan took office, the SBA budget was just a little bit under $2 billion. Now for normal inflation, today the SBA budget should be around 4 billion. It's 700 million. Hmm. It's the only agency in the history of government that's had its budget cut, you know, so drastic. It's basically closed, to tell you the truth. They, they've essentially closed it. So, so um, yeah, the pressure from the defense and aerospace industry to close the SBA is massive. And if, if President Biden said, oh, I want to close the SBA, there'd be a lot of uproar. But all they do is very quietly, you know, cut the budget, reduce the staffing, which never... Uh, gets reported on you you know i would i would challenge anybody out there to find a story on, on national television that talks about how the small business administration has been gutted um over the last 30 years you won't you won't see it they won't they won't talk about it but um oh gosh it's 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 that's kind of funny but uh it's amazing i never thought i'd be 71 and still uh seeing this going on well i know? I, I wonder, I mean, about, you know, the tides of history, it feels like, even though what you said with small businesses and job creation is the case, it feels like all anyone pays attention to are megacorps. Uh, exactly. Right, right. And, you know, of course, proportionally, they have a tremendous amount of power. But what can, what do you think an average person can do? You said you spent a million dollars in seven years in a lawsuit. I don't think most people have the time or money 
to be able to front that kind of expense. Certainly not for a, um, what was it? A rectangle of black ink uh, at the, <laughs> at the yeah. end. Um, but you, but anyone can submit a FOIA request. In what instances, like, when should a person go ahead and try that? Like, what, if they feel they haven't gotten enough or if they wonder where, like, another corporation's money is coming from, what's the impetus? Like, what's the drive? You've made it uh, something you champion, but for an average person, I bet if, like, say, 10,000 more Americans started submitting FOIA requests, you know, like, once every month or so. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be a big difference. Now, here's what people should do. People should send a Freedom of Information request to the Small Business Administration and say, I would like to see the names of the firms that the SBA um, claims received small business contracts in fiscal year 2020 and see what happens. Did they? They should, they should just you know, give it to you, right? So the SBA, what they, what they would do is they would refer you to um, the Federal Procurement Data Center, which is this gigantic, you know, database with billions and billions of records. Mm -hmm. But what the SBA does every year is they um, go through that data and basically what they call scrub it to get rid of uh, inaccuracies and miscoding and computer glitches and things of that nature. And they have this clean data that they release. Yeah, ask them for the, for the cleaned up data just show me the names of the firms that got small bits of contracts and see what happens. It'd be a great lesson for, for um, uh, civics classes in high school and college and you know government classes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, do a Freedom of Infra Information request with the SBA or any federal agency, any agency. Ask them for the names of the firms that they gave small bits of contracts to. And um, I've done that countless times. And every time the SBA refuses to give it to me, every time I go to court, Every time I win, and every time there's Fortune 500 firms in that list. I've, I've never um, won a lawsuit that didn't uncover fraud. I don't recall ever winning a lawsuit or a legal battle um, that didn't uncover fraud. You know, so if you if you ever look um, uh, at um, uh, Government contracting, you're going to find fraud. It's like going to the beach. You're going to find sand and seashells, right? And this this, this uh, small business obligation, this is every federal branch, right? Every, <laughs> anytime any contracting has to be done by any branch of the federal government, this applies? Yes. Yeah, the, the, every federal agency is supposed to do 23% with small businesses. And um, what they do, I'll tell you what their trick is. Mm -hmm. So... The real federal acquisition budget is about $1.5 trillion. So what the Small Business Administration does is exclude over a trillion dollars in acquisitions. And they'll use a number of around 480 billion. Then they'll include um, billions in contracts to Fortune 500 firms and their subsidiaries in, in the number they claim small businesses got. And that's how they say they got that small business got 23%. So they knock a, uh, over a trillion off of uh, what they spent. They add hundreds of billions in, in contracts to Fortune 500 firms and their subsidiaries. And that's how they say they got, you know, the small business got 23%. And they've done that for, you know, over 20 years. And what happens to that money after that's oh, discovered? Pardon? What happens to that money after that's discovered? Does anybody go uh, to jail? Like, are there any consequences or does it no, all just- No, no consequences. 
nothing. In fact, I'll tell you something. As I have fought to uncover fraud and protect federal small business programs, you know what my biggest enemy is? What? The Justice Department. That's my biggest. So for 32 years, as I've tried to expose fraud and abuse in federal programs for the middle class, you know, um, the Small Business Act, the largest economic stimulus program for the American people in history, you go up against the Justice Department. And they'll fight you, you know, tooth and toenail, right? They'll, they fight viciously. And most people won't be able to field a lawsuit against them. That would be a costly and time expending. Right. Yeah, yeah. That'd be but, incredibly um, difficult to do. Um, oh, it's, it's, it's really, um, the level of corruption, by the way, is just, it's just astounding. I, again, most people wouldn't believe it, but um, I remember uh, the SBA Inspector General released report in 2005, that was 15, 16 years ago, mm. report 515 that said this, one of the largest challenges facing the Small Business Administration and the entire federal government today is that large businesses are receiving small business procurement awards and agencies are receiving credit for these awards. That was 15, 16 years ago, report 515, you can look it up. And um, the uh, first federal investigation into fraud was in 2001. And uh, I, I found some information that showed that um, there were thousands of, of big businesses around the world in the SBA's database of small businesses. And I called everybody in Washington. And I finally called the Government Accountability Office. I talked to a guy named Dave Cooper. And um, they launched an investigation into it. They had six um, agents uh, looked into it for six months. And they came back and they found, I think, 5,000 5,300 and something large businesses were getting federal small business contracts. And I testified before Congress and um, the Associated Press um, wrote a story about it, ran in newspapers all around the country. And I thought it was over. Now, what they did was they legalized the fraud. So all those big businesses that were getting small business contracts, they just changed their policy to allow that. But, but What's interesting is you can't have a policy that violates a law, right? So the law defines a small business as being independently owned and not dominant the field. And um, but so the, so the government policies that exist today that allow them to um, report contracts to Fortune 500 firms and their subsidiaries is illegal. And I tried to have that overturned in federal court. And that's one of the two lawsuits I've lost in my lifetime. So that was the only way they were able to get you, huh? They just had to change yeah. the rule. Yep. Well, well that, that feels true. like an undefeated record on your part then, you know, like in principle, if you never lose a tennis match and then the two tennis matches you finally do lose is when they sick wild bears onto the field. I feel like even <laughs> if you technically get knocked out those runs, I feel like you can yeah. maintain your record, you know? Yeah. The, I lost one in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and I lost one when the Supreme Court wouldn't hear it. And those are the only two I've lost. And um, I've seen attorneys for the federal government crying in court three times. <laughs> that's, that was weird. that's sad. I mean, it's, yeah. it is funny, but it is sad. It really yeah. makes me wonder. So the, the lawsuits are and always will be the, the hard part, of course, because you're going up against the government. But I wonder, like, because FOIA requests are something that I want to learn more about. 
I feel like an unbelievable amount of good could be done, not just with regards to small versus large businesses, but in every element of American society if we were aggressive about using our rights there. Because, you know, we don't have a very transparent government, certainly not as much so as some European governments. And, like, if we could do this with, like, mil like the appropriation of military funding, like, where are these budgets going? Like, records on officers in police departments? If they're, like, so, there are so many institutions that we could probably do for more transparency from. So I wish more people knew about this tool, you know, this, um, this, uh, means by which we can hold the government to account even if it doesn't even if you can't follow through with a lawsuit um because many people aren't going to be able to do that at least you've opened the info up to other people who might want to or or if there's something that a class action lawsuit can go against you you sort of throw the impetus out there you know i would encourage um everybody um listening and watching to go to your computer and search on the freedom of information act read it um and uh, uh there's lots of templates for a freedom of information request and 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 send one it's an email you know it's, it's that long it's like you know uh five sentences and uh do a freedom of information request to to any agency and ask them for some you know simple information and um and see what happens um i uh i'll tell you something interesting you and I hypothetically can save our economy. I predict that within 12 months, our country's economy will completely crash, maybe worse than 1929. And here, here's why. Last March, it was reported in the national media that 50 million people had filed for unemployment. Then I saw the other day on television, they said that 33% of people are looking for a job. Well, that means they're unemployed, right? Well, there's there's three million, over 350 million people in America. So if 33% are looking for a job, that's 100 million people looking for a job. Um, I heard that uh, up to a third of all small businesses are closed forever. Um, the other day, I got a new pair of tennis shoes, and I want to get some uh, special orthotics that I put in my shoes. So I went to... Um, the walking company in Palm Desert, and it's closed. And it was open like two weeks ago, but I drove down to the New Balance store, that was closed. I'm sure that my neighborhoods, like everyone else's neighborhood, small businesses are closing, you know, like crazy. And, um, but if, if, um, if, if we could um, get to the government to, uh, comply with the Small Business Act, I think we could save the economy. I, I, I think it might be too late. In fact, to tell you the truth, I think it's too late. It's, I think it's too late. Well, you've got, you've that's a call to action. Yeah. Well, you've got up to 100 million people looking for a job. At the end of this month, I believe that the federal law that um, prevents landlords from evicting people from their apartments, their homes expires. Right? I, think, I think Biden is extending that till March via executive action. All right. And... Um, but um, yeah, I, I just think there's going to be what, what are we twenty seven trillion in debt? So that's that's an amount remember. of debt that's not repayable. It'd be like if a school teacher, you know, owed um, you know a million dollars. You're never going to pay that off. You couldn't even you can't even pay the the interest on that loan, right? Um, but the only thing that I can think of that would possibly rescue the economy would be if they stop cheating small businesses open the Small Business Administration back up, 
Um, the SBA budget should be uh, four or five billion a year, not 700 million. 700 million, by the way, in the government is like a dirty penny on the ground you wouldn't pick up to most people. That's nothing, right? right. Um, the Pentagon spends probably about 1.2 trillion a year, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, they need to refund the SBA, open it back up, open all the offices that, that um, Bush closed and start making sure that, that a minimum of 23%. If I were the president, I would increase that number from 23 to 33, and I would take it away from a goal, make it a requirement. So if you are a, um, uh, a, a purchasing manager for the federal government, your job description is to, is to ensure that every month you do at least 33% of all your contracting with small businesses. And I'll do the same thing for prime contractors. That would, uh, that's the most effective thing we can do to save the economy. I'll tell you something interesting. When people think about the government spending, they think you know huge numbers. Half of all individual purchase orders that the United States government issues on a daily basis are under $50,000. Yep, half of the individual purchase orders are less than $50,000. The government buys you know, uh, billions of dollars a year, hundreds of billions uh, in orders that are, that are, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, you know, 10,000, certainly uh, uh, small enough that, that any small business could handle it. But- um, But it all I just gets diverted to the large, or yeah, to the- Yeah, well, you know, um, the, you know, I'm, I'm trying to pick, okay, what should I talk about? No, um, well, yeah, obviously there are going to be like a million uh, 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 branching off subjects with regards to this. Yeah. I, um, I, it's interesting, the claim that you made with regards to an impending uh, economic crisis, I remember it also, um, it was also mentioned by Richard Wolff, um, who is a, a Marxist economics professor and a generally cool guy, in my humble opinion. Uh, so it is interesting. Uh, are you, I'll be buying gold and burying it in my front no. yard. I assume you'll be, uh, no, no, I, I, uh, no, I um not going for the gold bearing option. What's the what's the, uh, the backup for the end times? Bitcoin? Uh, well, uh, what I did was I went out and bought some extra ammunition. I have some dried uh food <laughs> and my um my biggest purchase was a um a Swiss stainless steel uh thing that I can um make a clean water out of anything. I can throw it, you know, in a in a pond or a pool and pump it out, yeah. So I think something bad's gonna happen. I really do. I don't see how it could not happen. We're 27 trillion in debt. Uh, when Bill Clinton left office, I believe there was a surplus. Am I right about yes, that? Yes, I, I think, think that's. Right I think that yeah, that's the only surplus we've had. I think yeah. in like 50 and years. Now we're 27 trillion dollars in debt. By the way, when Bill Clinton was uh, president, he was a very pro small business, very pro small business, as was Hillary Clinton. Um, I remember Hillary Clinton one day um, uh, said that um, for the first time in history, um, more small businesses were closing than opening. That's when she was initially running for president. And um, I've got it on my website. You can go to ASBL.com and look at the videos. And um, the next day, a White House correspondent asked the um, uh, spokesman for Obama, if that was true, the guy wouldn't answer it. He refused. And it's quite comical. You could, you can find that. Well, yeah, because the, I mean, because I'm the, I'm pretty sure the people in Washington would prefer it if 
all American economic needs were fulfilled by three megacorps that each have like 20 million employees, right? That's probably, exactly. it seems like that's the direction that we're being pushed in. Um, hopefully that doesn't end up being the case. That seems like a, a, bit, a bit dreary um, of a future. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I, I also don't want a global economic collapse, but that yep. seems like that's something I'm going to have to look for. <laughs> Here's a funny thing. Let me ask you, who do you think is the biggest voice for small business in America today? What, what organization do you think is really there to help out small business? Well, I'm speaking to the president and founder of the American Small Business League. So if I said anyone other than you, I feel like I'd be doing you a disservice. All right, let's turn this into a game show. The, the first one of your listeners, the first one that can show me the president of any group in Washington claims to represent small businesses on national television, like I've done countless times, objecting to the diversion of federal small business contracts to Fortune 500 firms, I'll give them $1,000. Look, I love my community, but I don't think they're getting that 1000 I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to pull that one out of their hat. Uh, every group that I'm aware of that claims to represent small businesses in this country is funded by Fortune 500 firms and basically is a front for Fortune 500 firms. If you, um, yeah, that, that, that I'm aware of. So the, the National Federation of Independent Business actually claims to be the voice of small business in America, the NFIB. When you go shopping, you'll see those little black plastic signs with gold letters on it, right? Yeah, show me uh, the president of the NFIB on national television in the last decade objecting to the United States government cheating small businesses uh, and diverting small business contracts to big businesses or objecting to them cutting the Small Business Administration budget. The first person to show me that, I give you a thousand bucks. You know what? Yeah, I give you a thousand dollars. Well, keep an open bounty. I'll make sure my community knows. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I mean, I, I doesn't seem like anybody's championing them. Obviously, yeah. you know, apart from a uh, present company excluded. Um, I, I hadn't even heard about the misappropriation of funds following a federal expectation to divert a certain amount to small businesses with contracting before either. And I try to keep up on this stuff. So uh, it's definitely an underreported phenomenon. You said that they won't even have you on the Associated Press or CNN because this is a subject that they seem uncomfortable giving national attention to. When, when you're trying to get the word out, do you get the impression that like... Um, there's an agency or an individual that's making a deliberate effort to prevent you from getting that word out? Or is it just more that like uh, collectively? Um, Good question. Yeah, is, is it sort of a systemic thing in that respect? Or are there people who you think are responsible for preventing that? Terry Sutherland. Oh, oh God, <laughs> hold on. We're, we're getting in the... Terry Sutherland. Um. In the summer of 2013, every day I did interviews with somebody. Every day. I used to do um, uh, radio shows on the East Coast. I'd wake up and uh, sit on the floor in my living room in my pajamas in the dark and do radio shows uh, starting at 4.30 in the morning in California time. They were drive time and East Coast, right? Mm -hmm. And I would do radio shows and interviews Sometimes I'd be in my pajamas like four o'clock in the afternoon and I would go on national television a couple, two or three times a month. And um, in the summer of 2013, 
that all stopped from one day to the next. And um, a guy named Terry Sutherland, who was a spokesman for the Pentagon, moved over to head the uh, press office for the Small Business Administration. Within a matter of weeks, I was dropped as a blogger from every blog I was blogging on, the Huffington Post, the Daily Coups, um, the Hill. Um, and people used to write stories about me and not even talk to me, which I thought was crazy. And so a couple of times a week while I was having breakfast, I would Google my name and look at the new stories that had come out where people were writing about my lawsuits, whatever like that. So let's just say on Monday, you know, I Google my name and there's 50 pages of pickup about Lloyd Chapman, the small business advocate. On Wednesday morning, I Google it. I was gone. I disappeared. And um, I've, I've talked to a number of um, computer experts. And they told me the only, the only way that could happen is if Google did it. And this is during the Obama administration, right? They do have that and, power. Uh, the president of um, Google's parent company was one of Obama's best friends. Can't think of his name, Eric Schultz, something like that. Obama wanted him to become the, sec the Treasury Secretary. Um, and uh, Warren Buffett was a good friend of Obama's. So uh, Warren Buffett owned Business Wire. So I got an email from Business Wire that they would no longer run my press releases because I was ringing Obama's bell in the national media. I was just, you know, stomping them and just exposing, you know, the, the fraud and abuse that was happening at small businesses. And, uh, but I'm basically an example of someone who's been targeted um, for what I'll call a deplatforming uh, media suppression campaign. Mm -hmm. So this lawsuit right here was one of the largest freedom of information cases in history. And in this case, Judge William Alsup, who I think is probably one of the most preeminent federal judges in the country, said that I'm a David, in a David Glass against big, big business and accused the uh, government of suppressing evidence and covering up evidence. In fact, you know what? Gosh, I can't remember all these quotes, but he said something like, um, the purpose of the Freedom of Information Act is so the public can see how our government works. And Congress passed the Small Business Act so small businesses can participate in this program. And here's the United States covering it up. That's a federal judge. So a federal judge accused the United States of America of covering up small business contracting data, right? Yeah. But um, uh, but no one reported on this. So the largest freedom of information case in history, as far as my attorneys know, a major lawsuit that affects all government contractors, no one ever mentioned it in the national media. It should have been mentioned in every publication that covers uh, defense. It should have been covered in every publication that talked about government contracting. It should have been covered in all the legal um, documents, I mean, legal um, websites. Is never mentioned, and that's just sort of like impossible. This is analysis. why. Um, this is why the discourse around cancel culture. I assume you've heard this the term cancel culture at some point online. Yeah, uh, th yeah. This is why the discourse around that has always frustrated me because it seems like when that term gets busted out, it's usually used to refer to like, I don't know, conservative comedians who didn't get booked for a show because it just came out that in 2017 they said the N word. But like, <laughs> if we're really talking about cancel culture or like an effort to systemically deplatform people, it's not conservatives. It's not even like leftists either. It's the people who get deplatformed are people who are threats to the institutions that our country like relies on. Big business, yeah. uh, government, the military-industrial complex, 
the pharmaceutical industry, this is where, like, the real censorship takes place. This is where, like, people actually do get silenced. And sometimes people get killed. Um, thankfully, that is not the case with you. Probably due to your your uh, your armory and your bunker. Uh, I'll tell you a story about that. for the end times. Yeah, hit me with a story. And then after that, um, we'll, we'll have to part our fair ways. I really appreciate right. you coming on, by the way. Sure. Um, as I sit here and talk to you, I've got a traumatic brain injury. I have permanent brain damage. Oh. Um, March of 2019, 10.30 in the morning, I was involved in a car accident. And I was stopped behind a car. Another car ran at me going 50 miles an hour and knocked the engine transmission out of my car, knocked me unconscious. And um, yeah, I've got permanent brain damage. And the guy that was driving the car that hit me, when I got out of my car about 30 minutes after the accident, I was uh, a fireman was uh, holding me up. When I looked up, the guy that was around the car that hit me was grinning ear to ear and videotaping me. And he had on what appeared to be body armor. <laughs> I've got a picture of him over there on the floor, by the way. I could go grab it. That happened. Did you now, get any follow-up from that? Well, um, I'm involved in a lawsuit right now, which is very mysterious. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. No, yeah. Don't, but uh... um, um if you go to uh, documentaries called, there's some documentaries on the internet called Truth and Power. Mm -hmm. There's 10, 20 minute documentaries on Truth and Power. And there's one called the United States of Secrets, the world whistleblowers, the world hackers. People can search on Obama's war on whistleblowers and people that are activists, whether you're an animal rights activist or a civil rights activist or a small business activist, if you're taking on the government, they come after you. They come after you. They want you to shut up. They want you to go away. They won't hear from you anymore. And uh, there's nothing they won't do. Did you see that the Black Lives Matter protest, they had the military drones flying with the protesters and uploading their cell phones with what's called a stingray? Did you see that? I didn't see that specifically, but yeah, I know there were a lot of, there was yeah. a lot of federal attention paid to those protests. Yeah. Yeah. The other day was, uh, Monday was Martin Luther King's birthday. The FBI tried to get him to commit suicide. You can Google that and see the the, the letter that they wrote. Oh, don't on. you worry. That is our, uh, we are well aware of that one. That's yeah. a that's a, a favorite. Uh, that's right. <laughs> on on Netflix right now, there's a story about Gene Seberg, a civil rights activist in 1965. The FBI hounded and harassed her, ruined her career until she killed herself. Aaron Schwartz, the co-founder of um, Reddit, was hounded by the government until he killed himself. Right. That's what happens. You know. In America, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, if you're an activist of any kind, particularly if you beat him in court a hundred times, and made their lawyers cry. Yeah. There's nothing they won't do to shut you up. Well, uh, I will, um, I'll stay inside and, um, and, and you have the aforementioned economic, uh, meltdown bunker. So I think <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll be able to make it out, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I want to say, mate, um, Mr. Chapman, I really do appreciate you coming on. Seriously. It is a, um, a breath of fresh air and an incredibly interesting collection of topics. Hopefully I'm not in a list now, or maybe I already was. People can go to my website, ASPL.com and LloydChapman.net, um, uh, I think, and see my other stories. Thank you very much. I hope that you and um, Reed, or Raid, my apologies for the pronunciation, have a wonderful day both. Thank you for setting this up. Um, take care of yourselves and... Uh, yeah, uh, drive to and from your destinations quickly, I guess. Thanks for having us. Be well. All right.